0: Good evening everybody and welcome to the second Crone Law Firm uh, Facebook live show. My name is Alan Crone. I'm the Managing Member and Founder of the Crone Law Firm, uh, we're located in Memphis, Tennessee and we're an employment law firm representing employees, uh, executives and entrepreneurs in legal disputes and issues that affect their ability to make money. And We had a very successful broadcast uh, a couple of weeks ago and uh, thank you for everybody who's uh, commented and uh, emailed us about uh, various uh, aspects of that show and we're hoping today that our show today will be very uh, helpful for everyone uh, as well. Uh, Our uh, topic today is a topic that uh, we frequently receive calls uh, about here at the firm, uh, whether they're informal calls asking a a question or um, being hired to help people either enforce or Uh, defend themselves against a a, a, a non-competition agreement or some other agreement that restricts their ability to uh, 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 compete uh, in the marketplace and uh, these uh, are tools that are being increasingly used uh, out there both in terms of um, uh, the employment-employer relationship and they're frequently uh, an agreement that's part of a uh, either a, uh, uh, the sale of a business or the acquisition of a business, or sometimes business partners will have uh, non-compete agreements uh, in the event that the business uh, dissolves or uh, one of the partners leave. So we're frequently asked about these uh, situations, and so we wanted to, uh, to do a broadcast on them and talk about them a little bit more uh, in depth. So the first question is, what is a non-competition agreement? And Uh, That's a complex question because uh, non-competition agreements are complex and they come in a lot of varieties Uh, and oftentimes an agreement will say it's a non-compete agreement, but when you read the text of it, it's not quite as restrictive as uh, you might think uh, by labeling it as a non-compete agreement. So the first provision that is the most restrictive is a full-on non-compete, which means Um, that the worker who works for company A uh, cannot go out and compete in the marketplace if they start their own business or they go work for company B. For example, uh, you have a shoe salesman who sells shoes for company A and has a book of business of places, uh, maybe he wholesales shoes and sells to a bunch of uh, uh, businesses in Memphis. And um, a non-compete agreement would say, okay, Mr. Worker, You can't sell shoes to anybody uh, in the city of Memphis for a period of time, and that's a non-compete agreement. Now uh, another form of non-compete agreement is what they call non-solicitation agreement, where you can't solicit the uh, customers of Company A if you leave the employment of Company A. So in that circumstance, I might have five uh, shoes uh, stores in the city that I've sold shoes to. And a non-solicit agreement would say I can't go and do business with those five stores uh, for a period of time, but I'm free to go and call on other businesses that uh, I haven't done business with before. I'm allowed to compete, I'm just not allowed to solicit those customers. Another form of restriction may be the restriction on the use of confidential proprietary uh, or secret information and that sometimes will be a separate clause, or it might be a justification for the uh, uh, non-compete or non-solicit uh, clause. Um, and that restricts the the worker's ability uh, to use certain information um, uh, in competition in another uh, employment setting. And when those two things uh, come together, it can be a real problem for finding subsequent employment or starting a, a, your own business. Um, and becomes a uh, frankly becomes a uh, uh, real hurdle in moving on to that next employer, at least within that industry. So none of these would, for example, preclude uh, that particular salesperson uh, from going and selling ties to those stores or selling ties uh, to someone else, even if there's a non-compete agreement, uh, provided that the company A doesn't sell ties, it only sells shoes. So each agreement, you have to review it, very carefully and you have to review it for the particular circumstance uh, at hand. Uh, it's not a one-size-fit-all uh, uh, and that's why it can be very very uh, complex. And The first question most people uh, tend to ask me is, well is this non-compete agreement that I have enforceable? Uh, I own a business and my employees have non-compete agreements uh, with me, can I enforce it against them? Or Uh, Mr. Krohn, I've uh, left employment of Company A and uh, I've got this uh, non-compete agreement that I signed when I first went to work there and uh, is it enforceable? And I'll give you a good lawyer's answer it depends. It depends on a lot of factors Um, frequently uh, on the business side people say well I hear these things aren't worth the paper they're written on why even have them? And my response is from a company standpoint These agreements are very valuable because they exist, and it's something that an uh, employee has to consider when they're thinking about leaving, to go start their own business or to uh, go work for someone else. They have this non-compete, and in the uh, latter uh, instance where they're going to work for another company, they have to tell uh, uh, Company B, hey, I have this non-compete. And sometimes company B says, look, I don't want to hire a lawsuit, so I'm going to go hire somebody else who doesn't have a non, uh, non-compete. Or if I'm a, uh, someone who's thinking about starting my own business, I have to take into consideration the fact that um, I may be restricted in some way in starting that business. So it can be a very valuable tool for businesses, um, and if you're a business and you want to have one, uh, you need to be very careful in how you draft them, and if you're an employee going into a new employment relationship and they uh, that, that company presents you with a non-compete, you can't just blow it off and say, oh, I signed this, it's not enforceable. They are enforceable, however, both in Tennessee and in many other states, uh, non-compete agreements, the court can alter them uh, by changing uh, provisions to make them fair if the... Uh, the overall agreement is not fair. So, what are the considerations the court is gonna look to to determine whether or not one of these agreements is enforceable? First thing they're gonna look at is, what is the compelling business interest that the company has in enforcing the agreement? And if they can't articulate one, if they can't say, well, having this person go work for themselves or go to work for someone else will give them a competitive advantage because of their previous relationship with me, that's going to be a very difficult enforcement action um, because one of the elements is the company has to prove that there's a compelling business interest. Frequently, drafters will will put into those agreements, um, all the parties agree that there's a compelling business interest. Frequently, judges say, I understand it. that's great. Well, articulate what that business interest is for me. I want to hear it and no matter what the agreement says, um, the judge will refuse to enforce it if the company can't come up with what that uh, compelling business interest is. That compelling business interest could be relationships. In other words, this person has a relationship with all my customers that they have developed on my nickel. I've been paying them to develop these relationships and it's not fair for them to leverage those relationships. It may be training or other proprietary or confidential information. That the employee is given say this person has access to all this training that that I paid for and I don't want them going out and competing against me uh, for that reason uh, uh, so that's a consideration another consideration is why did the employee leave uh, if the employee left on their own to go pursue competition court's going to look at that more severely than if the employee was fired for poor performance or as a reduction in force or for no reason at all and in those circumstances, generally it's been my experience that employ uh, the judges will require more of the employer the former employer uh almost saying, "Well, if they're such a bad employee, why do you care if they can go compete against you uh, conversely um, judges don't like it when you uh, when someone tries to uh, take a bunch of information or a bunch of relationships that they've built up uh, and go out and submarine the uh, uh, the former employee in uh, former employer um, in the face of a non-compete. So, why the uh, employee left is usually a uh, a big bone of contention. Uh, also, the the duration is this uh, six months non-compete? Is it a year? Is it uh, two years? Five years? I've never seen one from for longer than five years. I have seen. Uh, agreements for five years they're rarely enforced for five years it's usually somewhere in the two uh, to three year uh, area and uh, frequently uh, judges are saying well there's really not much reason uh, for it to go more than a year again it depends on what the compelling business interests are and oftentimes the economic or financial conditions that might justify a non-compete or non-solicitation exist for a year or two but really after three or four years, they those uh, considerations don't exist uh, anymore. Um, it may be a pricing structure or uh, market conditions that uh, were being taken advantage of that change or marketing plans change or business plans change and so it's very hard to justify uh, enforcing these for more than a, a year or, or two, although it can be done and that goes back to the employer Understanding what the compelling business interests at stake are. And so, uh, in an enforcement situation, we look at that very, very uh, heavily. Uh, also courts are going to be, uh, persuaded by how much damage the employee, the former employer can do to the, uh, employer. Um, is it material to the, the existence of uh, company A to have this, uh, uh, this agreement enforced? So there are lots and lots of variables that, that depend, and finally, uh, I'll talk about geographic scope. And sometimes geographic scope is very, very important. Sometimes there are licensing requirements. You know, the the company might, uh, uh, the employee might need to have a license in Tennessee uh, to uh, provide a certain service. And so, uh, practicing in Tennessee versus Arkansas versus Mississippi or other states, uh, that might be material. Uh, sometimes it's well, what's the applicable market? Um, and sometimes the market can be a very small geographic area um, because uh, expert witnesses will say, well, most of the co- customers of this company only come from two miles away or come from just the county in which it's located. Sometimes, like the Tennessee Walking horse business, the, the geographic scope is worldwide because there's a limited number of people uh, who are in that market and they're located all over the world. So sometimes geography is very, very important, and sometimes it's not important at all. So that's another factor uh, to consider. And just as uh, the courts can with other terms, uh, the courts can also readjust uh, that geographic scope if, if, uh, if it's equitable uh, to do that. Um, many times people ask me, all right, well, What's the procedure? What happens? Uh, how do I get out of a non non compete agreement? Why should I hire a lawyer to help me with that? Well, the first reason is um, these are economic, financial considerations. When I'm on the enforcement side of these uh, situations, one of the first things I ask the client is, "All right, how badly is this guy going to hurt you? How badly is this woman going to hurt you?" Um, and if not, you've got to really consider the the uh, cost of enforcement versus uh, the value that you're going to get. Sometimes the value is just in making sure that people know that you're going to enforce the agreement and that can have a a, a very very high value that's hard to quantify. Um, second of all, you when you're trying to defend against these, you want to try to negotiate with the other side and see if there's some restrictions that, that you can live with that benefit the employer to the extent where they will agree to modify the terms of of the agreement. and That's done by the lawyer uh, understanding uh, the compelling business interests involved, understanding uh, both the background of the company, the background of of the employee, uh, employee, and understanding how what you want to do going forward will affect the enforcing company. And so after having long conversations about all of that with the client, a lawyer can advise you on uh, what kind of deal can be uh, can be struck. If you can't work out this situation with, uh, uh, with the enforcing company, um, then you may have to litigate it. And that is a, a big consideration for a lot of people. You have to really consider, all right, this new job, this new venture that I wanna go into, Uh, Is it worth the cost of defending a lawsuit or bringing a lawsuit for declaratory judgment? In other words, going to the court ahead of time and saying, I want to uh, uh, compete and I want the court to tell me that my agreement doesn't preclude me from competing. Uh, You have to make sure that that's cost justified. And if it is, if you have a valuable opportunity, uh, then you want to uh, probe very carefully compelling business interest if you're enforcing you want to establish that compelling business interest uh, with um, with copious evidence and if you're defending you want to show that whatever the compelling business interest is is not um, really all that compelling uh, and that uh, there's no equity in um, enforcing the agreement and the way I usually try to um, uh, the way I usually try to frame that debate is in unfair competition. If if I'm on the enforcement side, I want to tell the judge, look, your honor, it's unfair for this uh, worker to go work for company B or to set up their own company because they're gonna have an unfair competitive advantage because of their previous relationship with my client. Conversely, um, if I'm in the defense standpoint, I wanna look for ways that I can argue, look, th- we don't have an com- uh, unfair competitive advantage. And frequently it turns on whether they're going to be able to compete globally or whether they just can be restricted from certain customers and frequently that is the uh, or maybe specific service lines or uh, products that uh, were involved and so you you can frequently uh, work these things out if both sides are willing to uh, really put their business hats on and look at it from a dollars and cents standpoint, rather than just getting all worked up about everything that led up to the departure, which uh, oftentimes is very, very relevant uh, from a litigation standpoint, but may not be relevant in terms of everybody getting on with their lives and not um, spending their times in the depositions and uh, in courtrooms. Um, and so. Uh, you, let, let's kind of take those two, two things separate. Let's talk about enforcement, and then let's talk about defense. How do I enforce uh, a, a non-compete agreement? Well, the first thing that a lawyer is going to do is contact the other, the other side and remind them of their obligations. Um, if you know that the uh, employee is starting their own business, or if you know that they're interviewing for a particular job or been hired by a particular company, you to put everybody on notice that hey, this employment agreement exists, it has a restriction, and we intend to enforce that agreement. Frequently, um, you can resolve it at that point. Uh, you get, engage everybody in, in negotiations, and you tell them, look, we're gonna enforce this agreement, and uh, frequently uh, everyone says, well, we, we don't want a lawsuit, we don't want uh, this uh, expense and trouble, so we're gonna back off of this. That's why I say the existence of the agreement is, makes it very, very valuable. the uh, uh, if the conduct persists then you want to look at an enforcement proceeding and you want to make sure that you have all of your ducks in a row Uh, I recommend engaging an investigator to uh, interview witnesses to really determine exactly what is going on because frequently uh, you're operating in the fog of war Uh, my client gets reports that after uh, employee A is called Mr. Adam. Mr. Adam leaves uh, uh, the employment, and you hear vaguely he's working for Company B. And Now, all of a sudden, we start to lose customers. and Some of them have relationships with Mr. Adam. Some of them don't. and uh, Everyone begins to think, well, this is all because Mr. Adam is soliciting customers. Well, you want to start making some inquiries. You want to find out what's really going on, because you're going to have to prove not just that the agreement exists, but that he's violating it. And that can be uh, uh, tough to do because you have to involve customers and former customers in that conversation and uh, sometimes uh, clients don't want to do that so you've got to think through that you've uh, got to understand what the person is doing and who they're doing it with once you uh, you do that you put your uh, complaint together you file it uh, in court and then you're going to go to a hearing on an injunction in other words have a court order uh, the worker to stop doing whatever it is that they're that they're doing and um, that hearing is going to be very very important frequently the defendant will want to uh, uh, conduct discovery or you may want to conduct discovery uh, do depositions depositions are uh, a question-and-answer session with a lawyer uh, under oath with a stenographer who takes down everything that's said that creates a record you may want to subpoena uh, Docu- documents from uh, the other side and you really want to be prepared for that first hearing in front of the judge on a on what we call a preliminary injunction uh, almost as if you this is the trial because frequently it all gets resolved at this stage because that's when everybody kind of figures out what's going on and so uh, once you begin that process it starts rolling down uh, down the hill it can be uh, uh, tough to reverse it so you've got to be prepared uh, for the long haul uh, when you're enforcing uh, an agreement like this. Also always advise clients uh, not to look for money. Um, you, if, if there are money damages, you want to pursue those money damages, but your first primary goal in an enforcement uh, proceeding is to stop the offending behavior. And Once you stop the offending behavior, then you can assess whether or not um, you really need to continue uh, uh, after money damages and uh, the longer the conduct persists, the longer the case goes, frequently, the, the more damages the, that are incurred, and both sides have to take that into consideration uh, as the case moves forward. Uh, what do I do to defend myself against a non-compete agreement? Well, uh, I think you can uh, take a lot of lessons from the enforcement side. The first, the first thing is, is to uh, hold the uh, enforcing company to the letter of the law and to make sure that everybody understands what this compelling business interest is. Uh, frequently I have found you can uh, really uh, investigate whether there's competition or not. In today's economy, operating even operating within uh, the same industry, uh, frequently you're not really competing against the other company because you may be going to work for somebody that, that has different services entirely Uh, Than the company uh, A. And what I always ask clients is, well, can people do business with company B and company A at the same time? And does it make financial sense to do so? So the first thing you want to look at is, am I really competing against company A or not? And then, as we go through this, you want to, you don't want to go down this road unless it makes monetary sense to spend the time and the money uh, to fight it. And sometimes you're just better off trying to make a deal without incurring uh, expenses. I have found that uh, frequently uh, both sides at some point come to the realization that continued litigation does not make uh, financial sense for either one. And that's when everybody uh, sits down at a table in a mediation or in some sort of settlement conference, either in person or over the phone, and tries to work something out. Because oftentimes, I would say almost 99% of the time, there's a business solution to to these issues that's best arrived at among the parties, rather than forcing a judge to decide. Because frequently, a judge's decision, when you apply the law to a specific situation, Oftentimes, neither side is really all that happy, happy about it. I can tell you that uh, uh, I've had a lot of experience. My law firm has had a lot of experience with with these kinds of cases. I've literally uh, litigated these cases all over the country. I've had non-compete cases in in Oregon, and Ohio, and Oklahoma, and Memphis, Memphis, Mississippi, Arkansas, Florida, Alabama, um, and uh, the 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 issues are very very always very very similar and almost always um, it comes down to these business decisions that the clients have to make about um, the cost of continuing to go forward versus the benefit of of getting away whichever one uh, it is I I hope this has been helpful we have just kind of scratched the surface of non-competes I'm sure in um, future uh, shows we will uh, Maybe drill down a little bit farther on them. If you have any m- more questions, uh, please feel free to, uh, to email us uh, at uh, the Crone Law Firm. Our uh, email address, or excuse me, our website is KrohnLawFirmPlc.com. That's KrohnLawFirmPlc.com. Or you can reach us here at uh, 901-737-7740. That's 901 901- and we'd be happy to uh, interview you and see if there's uh, something we can do to either answer your question uh, or to help you with your non-compete issue. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, uh, speaking with you. I hope that uh, you all have a great uh, St. Patrick's Day uh, weekend. We're recording this on uh, March 16th, and uh, look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you.